Let me invite you to turn with me now to the Gospel of Luke, where we continue today our look at some of the parables of Jesus that are recorded in that Gospel. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14 today. Luke 18, 9 through 14. And he, Jesus, also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Lord, work today that we might humble ourselves. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. What a marvelous little vignette Jesus has given us here. How simply and powerfully and wonderfully he speaks here of the way of salvation and of how some people miss that way. Two men went up into the temple to pray and only one of them came away justified. Two men went up into the temple to pray, and only one of them came away having been declared righteous in God's sight, which is what it means to be justified. Two men went up into the temple to pray, and only one of them came away right with God. It's a terrific study and contrast, this parable. And we'll need to look at the two men that Jesus is contrasting, of course. But we should begin our efforts to take this parable in by having, first of all, a look at the audience. A look at the audience. Notice in verse 9 to whom Jesus is saying these things. Namely, to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. To some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Now, there may have been some others listening in uh, as well that day. Some folks not like the people in verse 9. Maybe even some folks like the tax collector in this story may have been listening in as well. And Jesus may well have those others in mind here as he says these things. And he certainly has other folks in mind besides verse 9 kinds of folks. When it comes to the rippling out of this parable beyond its original audience to even to us today and to many millions through the years. This is not just a parable for people who trust in themselves that they are righteous and view others with contempt. And yet, Jesus' audience on this particular day, here in Luke 18, or at least his target audience on this particular day, is some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. And noticing the audience in verse 9 is important Um, because 
given that Jesus has a target audience here, a group of people to whom he is particularly speaking, and given what Luke tells us here in verse 9 about that audience, what they were like, that they trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt, given those things, surely we are therefore to understand the actions of the Pharisee in this parable as Jesus holding up a mirror to that audience. Surely we're to understand the actions of the Pharisee in verses 11 and 12 as Jesus' portrayal to his hearers in this Pharisee of the same two traits that characterize the hearers themselves. Namely, trust in self, that I am righteous, and contempt for others. Those are the characteristics of Jesus' audience And thus we're to understand that those are the traits that are shown forth in the actions of this Pharisee. He trusts in himself that he is righteous. And he views others with contempt. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. He trusts in himself that he is righteous, and he views others with contempt. So let's look at him now for our second heading. We we had a look at the audience, and we've already begun now a look at this Pharisee, and that's the second thing today, a look at this Pharisee. And we'll proceed looking at him by noticing that, first of all, that a Pharisee is the perfect character for Jesus to use in order to hold up a mirror before this particular audience in verse 9. Because the Pharisees were very scrupulous in their religion, very righteous by certain human standards anyway. And so an audience like the one here in Luke chapter 18 verse 9, who trusts in themselves that they are righteous and uh, views others with contempt, they could likely identify with this Pharisee quite well. Maybe some in the audience are Pharisees. And all of them likely have a very religious mindset like the Pharisees. And so when Jesus speaks of a Pharisee going up into the temple to pray, they can identify with this man. They can perhaps picture themselves doing the very same thing that he's doing, going up into the temple to pray, which of course is what Jesus wants them to do. He's holding up a mirror before them. He wants them to see themselves going into the temple with this Pharisee. But Jesus gets them there. Jesus takes them into the temple with this Pharisee in order to show them some things about themselves that they don't probably want to see. And the touching of these nerves that Jesus is doing here perhaps may begin with Jesus noting that the Pharisee was praying, verse 11, to himself. Did you notice that? The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. Now, it's possible that all that that means is that he was praying silently in his heart rather than out loud. It's possible that Jesus means no negative connotation here when he says the man was praying to himself, but that he's just noting that his prayer was not aloud, but was being prayed within his own heart. But it's also possible that the idea is that he's praying silently and not aloud 
Because this is Jesus' way of saying to these folks, I know this is how you think and pray, even if you never vocalize it. He's saying to the folks in verse 9, I know this is what goes on in your heart, even if you would never actually say it in front of other people. That may be what Jesus is getting at here. I know the hearts of men, even when they're praying to themselves, even when they're praying quietly in their own hearts. And I know what's in your heart, you folks that are listening to me in verse 9. And he knows what's in your heart as well today and mine. And let that be a warning to us. We may be self-righteous, we may be contemptuous toward others in our hearts and even in our prayers, even if a certain sense of propriety that we have would prevent us from actually voicing our self-righteousness out loud. Is that the case for you? Examine yourself and ask, are these kinds of things in my heart? Or maybe there are other kinds of things in my heart that I would never say aloud, but which are nevertheless true. Do I think and pray like this Pharisee in my heart, even if not with my lips? God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all I get. Beware of what's in your heart, even if it never crosses over your lips. Another possibility, though, for what Jesus has in mind when he says this Pharisee is praying to himself, a possibility that would apply, incidentally, whether he's praying aloud or silently. Another possibility is that Jesus has this man praying to himself in verse 11 because though he is on some level addressing God, perhaps, the ultimate audience for his prayers is himself. Perhaps that's what Jesus is getting at. That this man is really praying for the audience of me. This Pharisee trusts in himself. Verse 9. That's what Jesus is showing uh, these folks uh, who trust in themselves. He's painting a Pharisee who trusts in himself. And it's clear from verse 14 that Jesus intends we understand him to be exalting himself as well, this Pharisee, and since he trusts in himself, and since he desires to exalt himself, the idea of praying to himself may be that perhaps consciously, or maybe without even fully realizing what he's doing, that he's praying in such a way that while ostensibly, and perhaps even truly in some way, he's talking to God, yet he's ultimately using his prayer to exalt himself to himself, and to remind himself why he can trust in himself, that he is righteous. He's praying, perhaps, so that he himself can think about how righteous he is, and so that he himself can therefore be reminded of how he really can trust himself. It's a sinister thing, isn't it? The thought of praying prayers that are ultimately for the audience of yourself, but it can happen. So beware of it, my friend. And if you find such prayer creeping into your heart, realize what it is saying about you. That you are trusting or wanting to trust in yourself. And that you are exalting yourself. And having realized that, repent and flee to the cross of Christ where you will find mercy. Even for 
a self-righteous person. So we're talking, taking a look at this Pharisee, and we've been thinking about the fact that he was praying to himself, and we need to go back now and take a closer look at the issues that he has as he is praying, the issues that are revealed um, in what Jesus says and therefore in what he portrays in this man's prayer. And there are, there are three issues that we've noted already. He trusts in himself that he is righteous. He exalts himself, and he views others with contempt. So let's look at them each a little more closely now. First, mirroring Jesus' audience in verse 9, this Pharisee trusts in himself that he is righteous. That's part of what Jesus is portraying here. In order to hold up a mirror before the audience in verse 9, he's portraying a man who trusts in himself that he is righteous. And how does Jesus portray that? Well, perhaps in the fact that he is praying to himself, but certainly in the actual content of the prayer. Listen to it again. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. You hear it? This man's trust, his trust for justification, for being declared right in God's sight, which is what Jesus tells us in verse 14 that he's teaching about here. This man's trust for justification, for being right with God, is in his own works, in his own perceived righteousness. I'm not a swindler. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a crook like this tax collector probably is. In fact, I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. This man's trust for being right with God is in himself, in his own works, his own perceived righteousness, and in his own perceived righteousness in comparison with other people. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. He trusts in himself that he is righteous. And how could he do that? What's going on that he would think in this way? Well, maybe the problem is that he doesn't understand the exceeding breadth of God's law that is spoken about in Psalm 119, verse 96. Maybe the problem is that he doesn't understand how many commandments one must keep in order to really be righteous. Because even if he really is who he says he is in verse 11, and even if he's really doing what he says he does in verse 12, perhaps he hasn't recognized that there are many other areas where God expects his obedience as well. Perhaps some of those are in his blind spots. Perhaps the problem is he doesn't understand the exceeding breadth of God's law, and that's why he thinks he's righteous. Or maybe his problem is that he doesn't understand the depth of God's law. Maybe his problem is that he doesn't understand how one can keep the letter of the law, keep the law outwardly, but break it in our hearts. Maybe he doesn't understand how one can be not an adulterer with their body, but an adulterer with their eyes and their heart. Maybe he doesn't understand how one can tithe, but not be a cheerful giver. So perhaps his understanding is lacking in terms of the depth of God's law. Or maybe he doesn't 
understand himself. Maybe he doesn't understand himself. Maybe he doesn't see how desperately sick he really is. And thus, even in whatever ways he understands God's law, he isn't cognizant of all the ways he's actually breaking it. He thinks he's keeping the law. He thinks he's doing righteousness, either outwardly or perhaps inwardly as well. And he doesn't realize his own sin. It would also appear that he may need to learn that God doesn't grade on the curve. That it doesn't matter that he is not like other people because the standard is not other people and their obedience, but obedience to the law of God itself. But whatever the case, whichever of these areas in which ignorance was plaguing him, and perhaps it's some combination, the sad reality is that he trusts in himself that he is righteous. And he's foolhardy for doing so. Because his misplaced trust, verse 14, does not result in justification, does it? His misplaced trust, his trust in himself, leaves him walking to his house, not right with God. And trust in your own righteousness will leave you in the same state, and me as well. For there is none righteous, not even one. There is not a righteous man on earth, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 20. There is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good and who never sins. That's why all those sacrifices had to be made in times of old and why this very Jesus who's telling this parable is soon going to the cross because we're not righteous in ourselves. And our only hope is for God to declare us righteous in spite of our sins. For God to declare us righteous in spite of the fact that we haven't been so. Our only hope, in other words, is to be justified, verse 14. Declared right in God's sight by God, irrespective of our works. And Jesus in Luke 18 was in the process of living sinlessly and he would soon die sacrificially so that sinners might receive that declaration, that gift. And even though a man like this Pharisee, I know he's imaginary, but even though a Pharisee in Jesus' day might not yet have understood Jesus and that he was going to the cross and why he was going to the cross, such a man should have known from all the blood that was shed in that temple in which he is praying here, this man should have known from all the sacrifices that were made that we're sinners, that we're not righteous, and that we need mercy that the tax collector asked for. And oh, I hope you know that. And I hope you will call out to God for it today if you've never done so, and that you'll keep calling out for it if you have. There is none righteous, not even one. But God the Father made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him so that our sins might be wiped away and Christ's own righteousness might be credited to our account. And it will be for all those who believe. So this Pharisee, one of his problems is he trusts in himself that he is righteous. But another issue is that he exalts himself. 
He exalts himself. Jesus speaks in verse 14 of everyone who exalts himself, and it's clear that what he says about exalting oneself is a lesson that he's connecting back to this Pharisee he's just been describing, right? And so, though this Pharisee begins his prayer by saying thank you to God, what he is really doing with all that he goes on to say is exalting himself. And that's only natural, you see, for if you trust in yourself that you are righteous, that you are right with God based on your own merit, if you trust in yourself, then it will be easy to exalt yourself, right? Rather than to exalt God. People who are declared righteous by God, people who know that they themselves are not righteous and who therefore come to God asking him to be merciful to them, asking him to forgive their sins and to count them righteous, to declare them righteous in his sight, even though they're actually not righteous, people like that, they exalt God. And boasting under this biblical plan of salvation is excluded, Romans 3.27. But those who are self-righteous... Those who trust in themselves that they are righteous would not only trust in themselves, but exalt themselves. And yet they cannot be saved in this self-righteous way. You and I cannot be saved in this self-righteous way. And neither are we able to truly exalt God in this way. We may give him lip service like this Pharisee, but it's ultimately ourselves whom we are bound to exalt if it is ourselves in whom we trust. And if you trust in yourself, if you are self-righteous, if you are banking on your own merit for being right with God, I urge you today for the good of your own soul and here for the glory of God so that you'll be able to exalt God in these matters. I urge you to lay down your self-righteousness, to lay down your trust in yourself, admit that it's all just a big farce, and run to Jesus and to God the Father, crying out with his tax collector, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And on the note of laying down your self-righteousness for the good of your own soul, note well that not only can you never do enough by your own righteousness in order to be right with God, but self-righteousness leads to self-exaltation, which, verse 14, leads to humbling. God's humbling of you. You see that? Self-righteousness leads to self-exaltation, which leads to you being humbled by God. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. God will humble you, my friend. Perhaps in this life, and some of you can bear testimony to that, perhaps it will be in the next life. Sadly, if you never come to Christ, it will be. But if you exalt yourself, if you exalt yourself, When you ought to be exalting God, God will humble you. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And self-righteousness is an easy path to that self-exaltation and to that humbling. So abandon it. (laughs) Abandon it, my friend. Humble yourself like this tax collector and flee to God in Christ. Flee to the cross. Trust in the blood of Jesus. Beat your breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And he will be. Humble yourself. 
Now we're looking at this Pharisee, and we've seen that he trusts in himself, that he is righteous, and that he therefore exalts himself. And we should also note that, mirroring Jesus' audience in verse 9, this Pharisee views others with contempt. That's part of what Jesus is portraying here in order to hold up a mirror before his audience in verse 9. He's portraying to them a man like themselves who views others with contempt. And how does Jesus portray this? Well, these other people whom the Pharisee mentions in his prayer, he's glad he's not like them, which shows us what he thinks of himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. But the fact that he's glad he's not like them also shows us what he thinks of them. I thank you that I'm not like them. He disdains them. He views them with contempt. And that can often be one of the rotten fruits of self-righteousness. You trust in yourself, you will view others who haven't achieved what you feel you've achieved with contempt. Beware of that. Beware of such contempt. Beware also of the self-righteousness that your contempt may reveal. Maybe a self-righteousness on a lesser level for someone who's truly saved but who still has a tendency to place too much stock in your own righteousness. Or it may reveal a self-righteousness to the degree that we see in this Pharisee where you think that it is actually your merit that makes you right with God. Beware of viewing others with contempt and of what that contempt may well say about you in terms of your own understanding of righteousness. So here's this Pharisee. He was praying to himself. He trusts in himself that he is righteous. He exalts himself and he views others with contempt. And oh, is he a warning to us. His self-righteousness does not result in justification. Verse 14. It does not exalt God. And it will bring down humbling upon him. Let us be warned and driven to the cross. So then, we've had a look at the audience to which this parable was first spoken. And we've taken a look at the Pharisee in the parable. And then thirdly, let us finish with a look at the tax collector. A look at the tax collector. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Now, like a Pharisee is a perfect character for Jesus to hold up a mirror before the folks in verse 9 to whom he's speaking, a tax collector is a perfect character for Jesus to hold up before them, to portray for them the sorts of people that they viewed with contempt. Because lots of people viewed tax collectors with contempt. Very often, they were cheats, defrauding people in the tax collecting process. And perhaps Jesus' hearers think of such defrauding and begin to feel such contempt as soon as Jesus introduces a tax collector into this story in verse 10. And of course, whether for the defrauding or for some other reason, the Pharisee 
in the story certainly views this tax collector with contempt in verse 11, doesn't he? But Jesus portrays the tax collector as humble. As humble. That's the key to the tax collector. Jesus is, of course, connecting back to this tax collector in verse 14 when he speaks of he who humbles himself. And we see this tax collector's humbling of himself in that he names himself the sinner in verse 13 and in that same verse in the way in which he was unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven because of the shame at the sin that he feels in his heart which he's committed against God who dwells in heaven. And we see his humbling of himself in the way that he beats his breast in grief over his sin. And we see his humbling of himself in the fact, verse 13, that so different from the Pharisee, he recognizes and asks, asks for God to be merciful to him. In all these ways, he humbles himself. And this is the way of salvation, Jesus tells us in verse 14. This man went to his house justified. This man went to his house having been declared righteous in God's sight. This man went to his house right with God rather than the other, rather than the self-righteous man. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now surely part of the reason Jesus includes this tax collector here is to help his audience to see both by introducing a character that is easy for them to disdain, even as Jesus tells this story, a tax collector, and he's helping them to see through the actions of the Pharisee that they have a problem with viewing others with contempt. Surely that's part of what Jesus is doing here. He's putting this tax collector into the story. He's showing the Pharisees contempt for him to say to these people, this is how you look at others as well. And he's showing them through this Pharisee how ugly such contempt really is. Hopefully they could see it when Jesus puts it this way. Hopefully they could hear it when Jesus says it this way. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Hopefully they can see, they can hear the ugliness of that kind of talk. And again... Maybe the idea is that we wouldn't say that out loud, but Jesus is telling him, I know it's in your heart, and it's ugly. He's also showing them through this tax collector in the story that God, on the other hand, has a very different view of such people. That God does not view them with contempt, but is ready to show mercy when they repent. But he's also showing them through this tax collector a better way. And that's where I want to settle for a few moments. Jesus is showing his audience and he's showing us as well through this tax collector. He's showing us a better way than the way of the Pharisee. Self-righteousness does not lead to justification, does not lead to being right with God, but calls down humbling but he who humbles himself like this tax collector will be exalted. He who humbles himself, he who is ashamed of his sin and grieves it and says, God, be merciful to me, the sinner, that person, that man, that woman, that girl, that boy will be exalted, Jesus is saying. 
He or she will be exalted, how? By receiving the mercy that they cry for. They will be exalted by being justified, by being declared righteous in God's sight. Christ's righteousness being credited to his or her account. This is a much better way, isn't it, than what the Pharisee is engaged in. Have you taken it? Have you ever humbled yourself like this? Have you ever come to God like this, really, ashamed over your sin? Even unwilling to lift up your eyes to heaven because of the shame of your sin? Have you ever come to God sorrowing for your sin? Maybe not literally beating your breast, which is not a cultural thing for us, but truly grieving your sin? Have you ever come to God saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner? Admitting who you are. Admitting that you failed him. And crying out to him for mercy. Have you ever done that? If not, would you not? Even right now? It's the way of salvation, Jesus says. He who humbles himself will be exalted. It's good news. He who comes to God like this, she who comes to God like this, will go to his house, will go to her house today justified. You could go home today right with God. You could have walked in today all wrong with God and walk out today right with God and go to your house justified, righteous in his sight. He who comes to God in the way that this tax collector does will find that God will assuredly answer her plea, assuredly answer his plea, will assuredly answer your plea of God, be merciful to me, the sinner. He will. He's good. And let me remind you today that this is just as true What I've just been saying, what Jesus is saying, and what I've been saying after him is just as true if your sin has been of the variety of this Pharisee as it is if you've been sinning more like the tax collector. Humble coming to God for mercy. Humble coming to God in Christ, trusting in his sinless life, in his shed blood, in his resurrection, in his righteousness. Humble coming to God, trusting in Christ to save you from your sin. This is the way of salvation. Yes, from being a swindler or an unjust person or an adulterer, or whatever the sin was of this tax collector, but this is also the way of salvation from the sin of self-righteousness. Jesus' original target audience, remember, was the self-righteous, verse 9, was those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And he exposes their self-righteousness here, and then he presents them with a better way. Through the humility and exaltation of this tax collector, he presents These people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, he presents them with a better way because he wants them to take that better way. That's why he shows it to them. He doesn't show them this better way to say, well, you know, the way is there for tax collectors, but it's not there for you. No, he shows it to the the self-righteous because he wants the self-righteous to hear about it and to take it. He wants them to humble themselves and be saved. He wants you, if you're self-righteous today, to humble yourself and be saved. His gospel is for the self-righteous as much as for any other kind of sinner. So humble yourself today if you're like this Pharisee. 
And humble yourself today if you're more like this tax collector. And humble yourself today no matter what kind of sinner you are. Humble yourself trusting God in Christ to save you and God will exalt you. God will exalt you. He will be merciful to you, the sinner. He will forgive your sins, washing you clean in the blood of his son. And he will declare you positively righteous in his sight, crediting the righteousness of Jesus to your account. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted.